0: What a great time of worship. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Thoroughly loved it. As I mentioned earlier and and as we've led up to in the weeks coming, this is our baptism Sunday. So in a few moments, we will uh, get involved in that and and have an opportunity for those of you who want to be baptized. Maybe you didn't sign up. That's fine. I'll still dip you. All right. (laughs) Not a problem. We can still do this. So I uh, just give you a little heads up there on that one but <clears throat> this summer we have I have chosen to do a series of messages just called summer messages um, just really allowing God to to with with no specific theme just to speak to us through his word and today what we're going to actually do is we're going to start a little something here in the book of Galatians. we're going to look there in the first chapter of Galatians for the next uh, several weeks but Um, I I want us to look into this, because I I believe that the book of Galatians, just like the majority of the New Testament, is given to us as a ground floor to help us structurally, not only as a church as a whole, but spiritually as individuals. To give us uh, a, a good foundation, but also it is written so that we can look at And allow doctrine uh, to to be placed within the body of Christ. Most of the New Testament, as many of you know, was written by Paul. Paul was a great church planner. He was a great pastor. He would go outside of areas of Israel. And he would bring the gospel. And he felt as if he was called by God to bring the gospel to the non-Jews and to the Gentiles. He went through what we would call today as modern-day Turkey, and he planted churches. He would raise up pastors. He would raise up leadership. And in order for him to maintain the ability to help, in order to be able to lead these churches, he would send out letters. And the Bible tells us that those letters are actually having name to them, and they're called the epistles. Now, these were letters that would help the church uh, to stay faithfully grounded. They were there so that they could understand what direction God was leading Paul as, I guess, an overseer-type role for these other pastors in leading a church. Understanding that there has to be a head or, or a lead. So... The book of Galatians is really a letter to this church in speaking of how to be free and keeping a good perspective of the Bible. So that's just a little, or the Gospels, that's just a little foreground there of what we're going to get into. But we're going to look at our first chapter in Galatians this morning, in Galatians chapter 1, and we're going to look verses 1 through 6, 1 through 7-ish. And here's what the word says. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ. So right there, we can understand that Paul was sent, and and he was sent with a revelation. And it wasn't something that he just thought up of himself. But we see here, the scripture plainly lays before us that what was given to him in writing the letters to these churches was direct revelation from God or from Jesus. And and the scripture goes on to say, And God the Father, who raised him from the dead, speaking of Christ, and all the brothers and sisters with me, in other words, his entourage of helpers. All right. And he goes on to say, and he addresses the church here. He says, To the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be what glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, verse 6. I want us to take a look there. Verse 6 and verse 7. Here's some key key verses. He goes on to say this. I am astonished. Really, what are you saying there? He's really fed up. He's really upset. He's really kind of disgusted. We've we've kind of been there, right? We we understand that verbiage there. Because we've all been there within our lives. We've been upset. We've been disgusted. We've been fed up. You've done it. I'm up to here in this situation, right? I'm up to here with this person. I'm up to here in this relationship. I'm up to here with my job, right? He goes, I am astonished. That you are so quickly discerning the one who called you by the grace. The grace there, that's a key word. The grace of who? The grace of Christ. And are turning to a what? Different gospel. Another key phrase. Understand, two gospels. There's two gospels that are being mentioned right here within this segment of verses. The first one is the gospel of religion... And then the second one that is being mentioned here is a gospel of grace. But he goes on to say, which really is no gospel, what, at all. Speaking of the gospel of religion. He was, what, fed up. He was tired. He was looking at the Jewish Christians who were coming behind him. And in Jewish custom, understand this. Let let me, let me break this down for you. Here, here's where, why he's so upset. Let me step away for a second and explain. Here he is. He's put a lot of work. He's put a lot of energy into doing what he feels that God has called him to do. He's really pouring in to, these, to the lives of these people. And what is happening here is he has had to, have, to leave this area. And God has sent him on to another another instruction, another calling, another something to do. And so he goes on. But while he's away, he hears and he learns of the religious practices that are happening. Religious practices that are are going on and, and taking place. And they're being done by the Jewish Christians who only understand To be a Christian in their mind was to still fulfill what was considered the law prior to Christ. So in other words, they were taking upon them an attitude that was extremely judgmental. okay, And, And they were taking an attitude of this is works only type of a relationship. Now, do we not understand that a works only relationship just simply does not work? It doesn't. If you're doing what you're doing only to please, rather than feeling it, there's something that is lacking. And so he was understanding this, Paul was. And so he wrote this letter, and he was very, as we could see in in the first verse that we read there, um, in in verse, excuse me, in verse 6, he says, I am fed up. I am, what, astonished over this, all right? It goes on to say, evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, many of us as Christians, and and we have this human nature, that we go away from what Jesus has done for us and that we get caught up really into ourselves, into us. We turn what we would consider as the freest expression of God which is God's grace, which has been poured out to all of us. What? His grace, his goodness, he's poured his word, and we have turned it in a lot of ways into something that has become what many would consider a dead religion. So honestly, we the church have a, what we could consider a branding issue or a branding problem. It's very easy for us to go right back into the other gospel called religion and miss the free gift given to us through what is the present gospel that God has instructed for us to live by and that is through the grace. Now, here's a question and a challenge that we can ask ourselves this morning. It says this, how am I going to become godly? Am I going to allow myself To become godly through religious practice? Or am I going to allow myself to become godly through the grace that has been given to me? What is my approach when it comes to getting to God? What is my approach when it comes into serving God? Understanding that all religions have that same question. Man has some path toward godliness. Man has a condition um, has a pathway, something that is leading us to what we would consider as a higher power or so-called a better life. And Christianity in this um, view really is no different. People choosing a pathway like all other religions, understanding that there is no right pathway, that is what is happening with the church that is in Galatia right here. They are being caught up in religious pathways rather than understanding that the relationship needs to be solely based in understanding that the grace that God has given us through the shed blood of who? Jesus Christ. I I look at my family and I go, you know, if my boys lived strictly by my rules, which, by the way, would be absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and all the parents can say amen to that one. If they would do as I say all the time, and, and if they would do as I, you know, tell, instruct them, things would be a lot smoother and a lot easier. You know, the other day, uh, my beautiful wife took, I think, Caden out to the store and bought him this silly string stuff. You, you, you think silly string's really harmful. You know, it's, it's not harmful. It's, it's not gonna do anything. It's not gonna mess anything up. So the boys both had a can of silly string and they're outside. And well, actually they were inside at first. I saw it out of the corner of my eye. They break open the silly string. The, 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 the top of the lid pops off. And I'm like, no, not in here, right? That's what I'm thinking in my head and I'm telling them, you can't do this. So what am I doing? I'm laying down a law, right? I'm laying down an instruction. So I said, you gotta go outside. So sure enough, no problem, dad, we'll go outside. I'm sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, are they my kids, first of all? This is not a fight, this is awesome. So out they go, they go outside and they're screaming, they're hollering, they're having a good time. I'm in the house. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing something. And I think it's great. They're outside spraying silly string in the grass. It's all good. Next time I mow, it's going to be gone. There's going to be no problems. A little warm in here. Anybody? Is it a little warm in here? All right. And, and I'm thinking there's going to be no problems, right? And, and so they're done. They come inside. The cans are empty. They throw the cans in the trash can. And I'm like, oh, these aren't my kids. They're not my kids. Until I step outside. <laughs> I, I've learned that I need to be a little bit more detailed with my instruction. Because now they sprayed the silly string all over the front of the house, all over the porch, all over the sidewalks. And that stuff, you know, you can't just get it up. You go to, it smears everywhere. And so then I thought, well, I gotta let it dry. I let it dry, it'll flake up. No! No, you know what I did last night, all last night? Power washer, shh, shh. The whole front of the house, the porch, the sidewalk. Why, because, well, they listened, I guess, all right? They took the instruction. But I sat there and, 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 I, and, and I thought to myself, they did what I said. I, <laughs> The only person I can really get upset with now is Andrea. <laughs> Just kidding. I guess me. I guess me. But you know, I, I, I tell that story because my kids don't always listen, and they always do the exact opposite of maybe what I want them to do. And how about, how about this? Many times that we, we, we instruct our children or just let's, let's forget about children. Let's talk about it within a marriage. You know, we, we expect someone to what, read our minds a lot of times, right? We expect them to know what we want them to do. And if they don't do it, then we get upset. Okay, we, we get all these different emotions within inside of us. Same thing happens with the work and on job and all these things like this. And, and, and so I sit there and I think to myself, God gives me a lot of instruction through his word. And he gives me a lot of things that, that, that how I need to live my life and how I should act and when I'm allowed to be angry, when I'm not allowed to be angry. Amen. Yeah. Um, when, when, you know, how to come before him. And he gives us a lot of instruction. But many times, just like our earthly children and in earthly relationships and work relationships, sometimes we don't fulfill what he tells us to do. And I know as a dad, if my kids don't listen, I can get upset, agitated, angered even. But you know what I'm not gonna do? I'm not gonna kick them out. I'm not gonna not continue to provide for their need, am I? What am I gonna do? Regardless, even if they don't, we don't see eye to eye, even if they don't do as I wish, I'm still. Going to love them. So I see that here within this story. The grace of God is given to us, and I'm thankful for it because even when I go against what God says, His love never ceases. His love never dies on me, it never goes away. He is continually reaching His hand and pulling me into what? His grace, His forgiveness his bountiful joy, his redemption. Nothing can take you out of the hand of God. Now, we're going to look at a story here this morning. But first of all, we can understand that there's a fundamental truth, and that is that God's grace is always there for us. He's always loving us. But in Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, it says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in eden and there he put the man he had formed and the lord god made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food but in the middle of the garden he made a choice where the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil see what he did was he laid a choice before them That was not should I not eat the fruit or whether I should eat the fruit. But it was a choice where do I want to what? Enjoy life or understand and gain knowledge of good and evil. Or let's sum it up. Simply how to become godly. Genesis 2, 16 through 17 continues to read. And the Lord commanded, the Lord God commanded the man. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, don't let that be your worldview. From when you eat of it, you will what? Surely die. In other words, it's going to kill you. It will make you reject Christianity altogether. All religious tailspins will then begin to destroy your life. It'll destroy emotions. It will destroy marriages. Let's skip a little bit. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, which we understand that's not true. In other words, he's saying, you've heard this wrong the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will what? Become like or be like God. In other words, the devil did not repeal to Eve to be rebellious, but rather to be what? Godly. So knowing good and evil, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and she what? She ate it. She also gave some to her who? Husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open. In other words, God actually asked what later on we understand. Who told you that you were naked? Because it was never, you were never created to understand that. You were never created, it was never intended for you to know whether or not you were naked. Moving on in the scriptures. And they realized that they were what? Naked. So there's a loss of innocence there. Um, There there, there is shame now, okay? So the scripture says they sowed fig trees together and made coverings for who? For themselves. So the basic fundamental or foundational story that we have within the word of God is for us to know. And what I want us to do is focus on just a few things. And the first one is this. One focuses on what you do. Of these two religions that we talked about, The first religion talks about, or the the first uh, uh, gospel, rather, speaks of a religion. What you can do. What you're allowed to be involved with. All right? It's all about who? It's all about you. It's all about your choices. It's all, you know, you think about the chapters that you read in the Bible, and you think to yourself, well, I've read this many, so I'm good. You know, I've had this much time in prayer, so I'm good. I'm doing everything that the Bible is instructing. And that's good. But if we lose the understanding that we're missing grace, where it says that maybe you didn't get into the Word today, maybe you didn't spend enough time in prayer like you know you should have or that God was really wanting you to. But yet regardless, God still what? Loves me. Loves us. So one focuses on what you do, but the second one what? Focuses on what Jesus has done. Have you ever felt like you were sized up spiritually? Always focused on what they do. Always on, always Our focus should be, what has God done in my life? What has God demonstrated to me within my life? Watch this. John chapter 5, verses 39 through 40 says this. You diligently study the scriptures. In other words, you think you're smart. You think you know it. Because you think that by them, you possess eternal life. We understand that what? That's not true. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me. Come, you refuse to come to me to have life. We need the knowledge, don't get me wrong. We need the understanding. But our goal as followers of Christ is to get close to Jesus. So, one focuses on, watch this. Also getting God's approval Have you ever lived your life trying to get the approval of someone? Think about that. Have you you lived your life in a season where you are always seeking approval from someone? That is not living. That is being captive. That is not freedom. Watch this. But our approval or our focus should be this, on receiving whose love? God's love. A love that what? Already exists. God knows your sin life. And he still loves you. God knows your mess ups, mishaps, your fallings. He still likes you. He still puts up with you. He still embraces you. It's not about you receiving his approval. He approved of you before you were. Uh, Thank you. He loved you so much that before you even existed, he decided to give his son for you. I'm going to say this as I say it many times you are God's favorite. You are the apple of his eye. He shows favor upon your life. You're still here. You're given another opportunity every day to what? Live for him. God has never gave up on you, and God will never give up on your life. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God demonstrates in other words, what is he showing action on his part? God demonstrates his own love for you in this. While you were still sinners, Christ died for who? Us. He did not wait for you to change, to show love. He loved you before you even became a follower of his. First John four nineteen says this. We love because he what? First loved us. In other words, God took the initiative. We are not waiting on him to love us. You know, I, I, I do this stuff. It's, it just happens. I don't plan it, I promise you. But I'm sitting here, my wife's in front of me, and, and I remember when I first met her, I thought to myself, she's going to have to come to me first. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't know her. I remember, oh, yeah, yeah, she's going to have to come to me first. She's going to have to prove it. Yeah. Okay, I'm going I'm to get in trouble. I better stop. I better stop. Time out. Yeah, yeah. She's going to have to come to me first. And I thought to myself, she's got to initiate this relationship or there's going to be no relationship. She was probably thinking, he's got to come to me first. Or there's going to be no relationship. Luckily for her, her side won. Because <laughs> all in all, I ended up going to her. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. You know, I, I say that to say this. Is, is We all want to be loved. We all want approval. We all want acceptance. You've got it. Regardless of how you've lived your life, you've got it. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. You still have a decision that you need to make whether or not you're going to receive that love and that approval. That's the only way you'll get into the kingdom of heaven. That's the only way I'm able to baptize some of you today is when you make that choice. But one focuses what? It focuses on we're wanting God's approval, but the grace one focuses on God's Love toward us. Now, here we go. One of these gospels focuses on eternal duty. In other words, did I read enough? Watch this. Did I give enough? What can I do? Was it enough? Now, look, you all understand, I'm always talking. Almost every message series that I bring to you as a church, one of the messages always is geared to what we can do to better serve our church. But more importantly, better serve who? God. How we can get involved in a life group. How we can lead a life group. How we can get within our community. How we can serve coffee. How we can be a part of First Wednesdays. His Way Student Ministry. Kids City Student Ministry. The worship team. Whatever. Whatever. I'm always focusing at least one message on almost every series on something like that. But do not allow your deeds and your works to get in the way of your relationship with God. So one focuses on our what? External, what we're doing. But the other focuses on our eternal, or rather, excuse me, internal desire. I don't want you to approach God because you feel like you have to. I want you to approach God because it's a delight for you to. 1 John 5, 3 and 12 says this. This is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. Wow. They're not burdensome. If they are, you're reading the wrong gospel. If it's all about what you have to do in order to have a relationship, you've got this thing wrong. It's about the internal desire that you have as to whether or not you have the relationship. Now, I love this. 1 John 5, 3, 12. This is the love of God to what? Obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. But watch this. Verse 12, he who the son, what? Has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. So how, let's go back to that story in Genesis. How can we eat from the right tree? Watch this. First, we need to fall in love with Jesus. How do we do this? Think on who he is and what he has done. Jesus what? Loves. Jesus loves who? Jesus loves me. Even when I'm sinning, his love is still there. John 14, 5. If you love me, you will obey what I command. If you, you will what? You will want to. There's order. Secondly, don't allow condemnation. Don't allow it in your life. The enemy will do everything he can to creep in and say that you're not doing enough and that you will never measure up. Have you not looked in the mirror and seen your life and your spiritual reflection? Have you not seen what other people see in you? The reputation that you have, the failed marriages that you've been a part of, The wrongdoing, the environments you allow yourself to be set in. We cannot allow condemnation to reflect our relationship with Christ. It cannot define it. Romans 8 1 through 2 says, Therefore, there is now no what? Condemnation for those who are in who? Christ Jesus. Get over it. Move on. Stop judging your neighbor. Stop pointing the finger at them. Watch this. Stop pointing the finger at you. How can God ever use you? Simply he can. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has what? Set you free from the law of who? Of what? Sin and death. Now, the thirdly, how do I eat from the right tree? This is my last one. I'm closing. We'll get into our baptizing. Make the choice every day. Here's a scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Watch this. Now choose what? Life. Now choose life. In other words, make the right choice. Choose it. Choose it. This was just a sermonette today. I didn't get into a whole lot of detail. It's because we're going to do something really awesome in a minute. We're going to celebrate some lives. We're going to celebrate that there's been people who have done just that. They have chosen it. They have chosen Jesus. And they want this world to know that they're not living in condemnation. They're not living on the external, what they have to do. They're they're living their life out of freedom because a price was paid through Jesus Christ. The same price that was paid for your life, for your sin. I want you to stand with me this morning. I wanna take that scripture in Deuteronomy there and and I wanna just take that last part. I wanna change that period and put a question mark for a moment. Because it said, now choose life. You're truly only living when you live for Christ. If you're not living for Christ, spiritually you're dead. You're dying. My eternal existence relies and my Savior, and what he has freely paid for my sin, for your sin. Expressing it by being on that cross, and going through the shame, and the ridicule, the embarrassment, and the pain, possibly the anger, and the hurt, and the frustration. Can you imagine the emotions? But above all of that, something stood strong, and it rose above everything else. And that was this, love. Love. I I think to myself, when he was going down through the streets and as, as he was carrying that cross, he was thinking of me. He was thinking of you. Let's make this personal for a second. He was thinking of you and going, I'm doing it for them. Care how bad it hurts. I don't care how emotional I might become because of it. I don't care of the pain. All I care about is my people. I love them. They're my children. You are God's favorite. You are his chosen. The Bible says that we are what? The chosen. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah, he's got plans, plans to prosper your life, but he can't do it unless you can understand that as he walked down that street, he was thinking of you. As they laid him on that cross, the shame, the nakedness, the pain, he was thinking of you. Every harsh word he was able to ignore, and he continued to do it only because of you. No, Satan, you're not going to have that one not without me paying the price. He has given you something that no human person could ever give you. And that is love that has no stipulation. It requires nothing in return. He loves you. So with every about every I close this morning, I wanna ask you this question. And this is the only part that I'm doing as an altar time. It's not really an altar time, but a, challenge moment if you want this Jesus as your Lord and Savior in your life the one that we're about to celebrate with some people as they go from death to life in the outward form if you want this Jesus in your life to be your Lord and your Savior I'm only going to ask one thing of you and that is just for you to slip your hand up. I want Jesus today. I see that hand. I see those hands, those hands, those hands. I see those hands. Some people realize that as Jesus was walking, he was thinking of them. So let's pray this prayer boldly this morning, every about every eye close, Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for thinking of me. Thank you for dying on that cross for my sin. Thank you, Lord, for paying the ultimate price. My works will never be able to repay you. All I have to you today is me And I give it to you, Lord Jesus, save me. Become my master, be my Lord, be my King. From this day forward, I will serve you. In Jesus name, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand, clap of praise, amen.